Welcome to When We Speak, where we shed stigmas, say goodbye to shame, strengthen ourselves, and encourage others. I am your host, Tasha Hunter. This is a podcast where I am blending the intersections of race, gender, sexuality, faith, and trauma. If there is a topic that most people say we're not supposed to talk about, I'm talking about it because that is how we heal. We don't heal in silence. We heal by speaking out. Hello, everyone. So this is my first solo episode. I wrote some notes last night after listening to the podcast by Glennon Doyle, who, if if you know me, you know that I have read all of her books. And she's probably one of maybe two or three celebrity white women that I actually trust. She has a podcast called We Can Do Hard Things. She posted two episodes recently, one, Silent Sex Queens, Why Aren't We Talking About Sex More? The other episode is called Sexy Questions, Farewell to Faking It and Vouching for Vibrators. I will add both of those episodes to my show notes so that you all can check it out. Listening to the episode, to both of those episodes, it really prompted so many thoughts around the conversations about safe bodies, what it means to have a safe body, trusted relationships, and healthy sex. And I wanted to really have an episode that honors the he's, the she's, the they's who are listening and who understand what it means for their bodies to not feel safe, who understands what it means to not be fully present in the bedroom because they have been violated or have had situations happen where they could not trust people with their bodies or with their lives. This episode is for every person who has ever been violated, ever been abused, and could not tell anyone. Because by extension, if you've ever been violated, if you've ever been abused, that undoubtedly affects your ability to feel safe in your body, to feel present, to have trusted loving relationships, and to have healthy sex. And even I would add in there, I believe that it also impacts a large majority of people's ability to confront, to acknowledge, honor their own sexuality. Listening to their episode reminded me of my own history and the reasons that I didn't feel safe in my body. It reminds me of every person's story that I've ever been told and why they didn't feel safe in their body or why they couldn't have or didn't know how to have a healthy relationship with themselves and with others. And I want to have this episode also honor just anybody that's ever been abused or neglected. And I want to read some statistics to you that pertain to sexual abuse. This is in accordance to the organization Darkness to Light. I will post, again, the link to Darkness to Light, and you guys can look up the statistics on their website. So regarding sexual acts or sexual abuse, this is fondling, exhibitionism, voyeurism, exposure to pornography, and internet chatting around sexual topics. So this isn't just physical sexual abuse. It includes so much more. And according to Darkness to Light, more than 67% of all sexual assault victims are under the age of 18. One in four girls sexually abused before the age of 18. 
one in four, you guys, one in four girls are abused before the age of 18. One in six boys are sexually abused before the age of 18. One in five children receive sexual solicitation while on the internet. The median age for sexual assaults in children is nine years old. I was eight years old when I was molested. One in seven victims of sexual assault reported to law enforcement agencies is under the age of six. There are approximately 39 million survivors of sexual, of childhood sexual abuse in the U.S. And that is only what is actually reported. We know that there are millions of cases, millions of people who do not report, who do not report it to a safe person. They do not have a safe person. And even when they do report it to someone who is supposedly a safe person, it's not reported to law enforcement. It's not reported to Child Protective Services. So in those millions of people, there's a lot that's missing from that, from that statistic, from that 39 million. We know that the numbers are higher. And this is only in the U.S. We're not even talking about worldwide. I don't have the time to even go over the statistics worldwide for people who experience childhood sexual abuse all across this world. The last statistics that, I, that I'm going to share is that more than 80% of cases of child sexual abuse occur in one child, one adult situation. Who are the perpetrators, the typical perpetrators of child sexual abuse? 90% are male. 90% are also religious. 75% are Caucasian. 50% are college educated. So any thoughts that we have about where sexual abuse happens, we can throw the, those thoughts, those myths, those beliefs away. It's not what we have in our minds. It's not in the neighborhoods that we have in our minds. It's happening in uh, homes with medium incomes, college educated, religious families. I believe also that in relation to abusers, it is my personal belief that every abuser is someone who has previously also been abused. I believe that for every person in prison, every person that's ever sexually assaulted, stalked, violated another person, they have all also been abused, assaulted, violated, terrorized by another. And it is my sincere hope that if you are listening to this message and you have ever, ever violated another person, that you get help and you get help now. It is also my sincere hope that if you have been abused and if you can share that with a trusted person, please do so. It is my hope that families, that, that individuals, that churches, that schools, anybody listening to this episode or aware of this statistics to speak out about childhood sexual abuse. I just, when I looked at the statistics, I could not believe, well, I could because it personally affected me and so many people in my family, so many people in my community that I know, but to know that one in four girls are sexually abused, one in six boys are sexually abused before the age of 18. This is something that we need to talk about more in our families, in our schools, in our churches, on our sports teams, everywhere that we can. When I think about the lessons that I have learned about body and sex and abuse, the first lesson that I learned about my life, about my body, is that my life and my body absolutely did not belong to me, that I had no autonomy, I had no say-so over what could 
happened to my body. I couldn't say no. I couldn't tell anyone when someone hurt my body. The other lesson that I have learned throughout my life, not just personal experience, but through the experiences of others, is that a person who is supposed to love, protect, offer belonging, can vacate the relationship, and at any moment not have any thought of how that impacts my body and my life. A person that is supposed to love and protect, when they vacate that relationship, when they abandon their children, it teaches us that we don't matter, that our lives don't matter. And sometimes we use our bodies as kind of like a bartering system. If I give you my body, maybe you'll love me. If I give you my body, maybe you'll protect me. If I give you my body, maybe you'll see value in me. So that is why I mentioned that second point. The other thing that I've learned is that an adult can touch, beat, hit our bodies with objects, push us, violate our bodies for their own satisfaction and gratification. And many times live a very long life, never being reported, never being outed for the things that they have done. Because when as a child, you've been abused or violated, you carry a lot of shame and you carry that shame into adulthood. You carry it into your relationships. So it affects you personally. It affects your relationships, affects how you receive other people and how you believe others will see you based off of that information of you being violated, being abused. One of the other things that I've learned over my lifetime and in the stories of so many others that I know is that an adult can comment, criticize, laugh, and judge our bodies. And when they do this, it can leave an impenetrable scar. When they comment on the uh, you know, whether it's name calling, laughing, any comments about our bodies, it stays with us. And if it affects our bodies, it affects our relationship. If it affects our relationships, it affects how we present in the bedroom and to others based off of what other people have told us about our bodies. The other thing that struck me listening to Glennon's, uh, both of those episodes, and they talked about this, is how sex and your body for females or for those that identify as she and her, how you're supposed to save your virginity, save your body. And when it's not saved, if your virginity and your body is not saved, then you're dirty, you're defiled, you're tainted. But if you're a part of the one in four or the one in six who's been violated at a young age, what does that mean for our bodies? We didn't get a choice in the matter, in saving ourselves. That was taken from us. We were robbed of that opportunity. Oh, and by the way, I don't believe that. I think that the message of of purity, virginity. I wholeheartedly believe that it's steeped in white supremacy and I don't support it at all. I don't believe in it at all. But for so many years, it's all I knew. And so many others who have grown up in church culture, it's all we know is that you're supposed to save yourselves. But how do you do that when another person has violated your body? The other lesson that I've learned, not just in my life, but again, in, in the lives of those that I'm in community with, is that sex is payment. It's an obligation. It's a job. It's an expectation. It's kind of part of the contract in a relationship. You're supposed to give your body sexually, even if you don't want to. It's that's 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 a part of the job description. And and so what we often learn in relationships is that when we don't give our bodies in the, in a way that pleases the other person, that we're expendable, that we're not good enough, that we don't matter, and that we can be replaced. Any mistreatment or abuse that happens in the relationship as a result of not giving our bodies, it's justified. I remember hearing women 
in my circles years ago. I, I would never hang out with these types of people at this point in my life. But I remember saying, hearing women say what you won't do for your man or your partner, somebody else will. If you don't give it up, somebody else will. You have to do these things. You have to perform these sexual acts to make your man happy. The heteronormative way of thinking, steeped in patriarchy, steeped in white supremacy. The other lesson that I learned throughout my life about sex and the body is that pleasure, sex, bodies, consent, safety are never discussed, not in a responsible way, not in schools, not in churches, and definitely the majority of time, not in families. And when these topics of pleasure, sex, body, consent, safety are not discussed, it can often unintentionally send the message that they are not important. And when you when you place it in a position of little importance, lower on that totem pole, that's when the harm happens. That's when the trauma happens. So we have to talk about these things. Talking to your children at a young age about correct anatomical language, talking to children and also exemplifying in your own life what it means to give consent, not just in the bedroom, not just over their bodies, but in little things and in big things. This is what it means to give consent, which also means that we're teaching our children boundaries. And oftentimes in families, we are neither talking about, we're not talking about boundaries we're not talking about consent. We've been raised to believe that whatever an adult says, whatever the adult does, they get to do that because they are the adult. And that transfers into abusive situations. A person of power can do whatever they want. And we know in honor of the one in four, in honor of the one in six, that this is so wrong, so disgusting, that this message persists, that that I'm allowed to touch your body. From the, This is speaking of, of abusers, that abusers, abusive parents, abusive adults, there's this message that if it's an adult or a person in power, I can do what I want to you because of my position, because of my role, because I have the power. So in our families, where the abuse is often happening, and we teach our children and ourselves differently. That comes up. The other lesson is that our value as women or those that identify as women is based on what we can give and provide to another person. This includes in the bedroom. And I think I pretty much already said that. Lennon and her sister and Abby, they spoke about this, that our bodies having value, our ability to to have sex, giving enough that that's where our value is. I will even extend that further. There's so much value placed, again, in really damaging church culture, patriarchy, white supremacy. On women, our, our roles are we're supposed to exist for our partners. We are supposed to exist for our children. Our bodies are to be fruitful and multiply. Our roles as women, we are supposed to to live and do everything that we do in our lives for our families, for our husbands. And we never learn how to exist and belong to ourselves. We never learn to love and honor ourselves. At a young age, we are raised to take care of others in the form of chores, cooking, cleaning, babysitting. We learn in our relationships that if someone is interested in us or if we're dating, we should want to give our bodies to that person. Because all of these things are not talked about, it can kind of feel taboo, wrong to publicly speak out about them. But we know because of the one in four and the one in six that we have to talk about these things. I want all of you to 
feel safe in your bodies, whether it's in the bedroom or out of the bedroom. I want you to know that you can speak about your body. You can speak about sex. You should speak about all of these things. You should speak about your sexuality with safe people. Because if you're not speaking about your body, your sexuality, the topics of sex outside of the bedroom, that translates to what happens in the bedroom, your comfort level in the bedroom. Being in a safe relationship in and of itself does not heal the body of sexual trauma. Sometimes I will hear people say, well, I should be over this. I'm in a good relationship now. Being in a good relationship, a healthy, so-called healthy relationship, safe relationship does not heal the body in and of that alone. When there is a history of abuse or violation, I believe in, in incorporating all the things <laughs> I believe that medical treatment may be necessary. I believe that mental health care is important to help heal the body, to heal the mind. Somatics work, body work, breath work, getting in touch with the felt sense, treating trauma with trauma-focused therapy and medical providers. I think that sex coaching has its place and may also be extremely important. I believe that 12-step groups, there are 12-step groups for adults who have been sexually assaulted, sexually abused. There are 12-step groups for adults who have grown up in dysfunctional families. There are 12-step groups for adults who have grown up with alcoholics or substance abusers. There's 12-step groups for codependency. Almost for any topic that you can think of, there is a 12-step group available to you. And 12-step groups are awesome, beautiful, because you get to be with people who have experienced the exact same thing that you have experienced. You get tools, you get support, you get understanding, you get people who listen and who validate what you have gone through. I believe that psychedelic assisted therapy, once that is approved, can also be pivotal in treating sexual trauma. And to some, maybe medication is also an option, maybe something that needs to also be incorporated. I also want to talk about another, another important topic around the issues of body trust, relationship trust. And it, it goes very well with, you know, uh, the thing that I've been talking about, you know, in terms of healthy relationships, sexual abuse, early violations. When I first got on Instagram, I posted a video um, to discuss why children turn into adults with trust issues. And since recording that video, I have come up with a few other reasons. And although it's on my Instagram, not everybody is following me on Instagram, but I wanted to talk about it here. Some of the reasons to why adults grow up and have these trust issues, it's really important. It goes right along with the topic, the barriers to safe bodies, barriers to trusted relationships, barriers to healthy sex. But it starts, so for so many of us, it starts in the trauma as children. And I feel like I've covered the issues, the barriers to trust. I've, I've covered many different aspects of that topic. And so here are the things that come to mind. And I would love if you want to reach out and even tell if, if there's something that I didn't name, let me know. Let me know. One of the things that comes to mind is when a trusted adult abandons the relationship with the child. I spoke about this earlier. When that happens, we grow up believing that our lives do not matter. Take it a step further. We grow up to believe that we are not worthy of love, 
that we are not worthy of belonging, that we don't have a place in that person's life. We grow up questioning why would anyone want me if my mother did not want me? Why would anyone want me if my father did not want me? Why would anyone want me? And if you've grown up in a dysfunctional family, if you've grown up and you did not have family who loved you well and protected you and were there, then you understand what I'm saying. We also lose trust when there is emotional, physical, sexual abuse, especially when it's by a person that we are supposed to trust and believe that this person is also supposed to love us. So when a trusted person, a parent, a mother abuses her son, makes her son touch her body in sexual ways, touches his body in sexual ways, when a father does the same thing, when a sibling does the same thing or does you know anything in the realm of emotional or verbal abuse, we grow up and we have trust issues in ourselves and in others. When a trusted adult or any adult does not intervene or report the abuse, I just think, what the hell? For a child to come to, to you, adult person, and says, hey, my grandfather touched me, my mother touched me, my aunt touched me. My uncle touched me. My cousin touched me. And that adult, for whatever reason, does not intervene, does not report the abuse. It causes lifelong issues for the victim. When a trusted adult denies that the abuse is occurring, calls the victim a liar, it causes trust issues. I think that oftentimes when when adults do this to children, when they when they call the child a lie, I think that that's just steeped in denial. But I also wonder that when this is happening, and I've heard this many times where um, people that I treat have told a trusted adult and then that adult says, you know, if that didn't happen, you're making it up. I often wonder if that person was also abused or was the abuser in other situations. Maybe that adult also abused the person who went on to abuse someone else. I don't think that my thinking is far-fetched. <laughs> I don't think it's far-fetched at all. The other reasons as to why adults children turn into adults with trust issues is if any of their basic needs have been neglected. Emotional needs, physical needs, affection, if any of their needs, presence, protection, validation, they learn that others cannot be trusted, that they are not safe with other people. When a child is abused mentally, emotionally, physically, verbally, sexually, one in four, one in six, and no one around them notices the signs of abuse. Nobody's asking, nobody's having the conversation, nobody's confronting. This is why we have so many adults who don't understand the concept of how do I love myself? How do I trust my own voice? How do I trust others? When the trusted adult or person that should be able to be trusted treats the abuser as favorite or privileged. I've seen this a lot, you know, as a therapist working with adults who grow up in homes where the mother and or the father treat the sibling who abused another sibling as the favorite, the cream of the crop, the best, while ignoring the child that was abused. Next, forcing a child to be in close proximity with abusers, still inviting the abuser to family events, celebrations, family reunions, funerals, weddings, Sunday dinners, never acknowledging 
the abuse, minimizing the trauma that the victim has suffered with, minimizing it. It doesn't matter. Ignoring it, not even minimizing it, ignoring that the abuse happened, conveniently forgetting that the abuse happened, still inviting the abuser to be there, to be around. Also making the abuse seem like it's a form of love or normalizing. And we see this a lot in parents grooming their children early at an early age. And I've even seen it in, in mothers who, who abuse their teenage sons, fathers who abuse their sons and daughters. It's the making the abuse seem like it's love or that it's normal or that it's okay. Families who make excuses for why the abuse occurred. Oh, the family member was drunk. Oh, they, they didn't know who they were touching. It was dark. Oh, they've always been that way. They were hurt. They were abused. You need to forgive. Making excuses. Here's another one that's kind of related, but kind of also unrelated is when we think about why children turn into adults with trust issues. Anytime as children, we watch people that we're supposed to trust and people who are supposed to love us abuse and demean others. We grow up with trust issues. When trusted adults withhold love and affection, either because they're not comfortable with it, because it wasn't something that they grew up with, or because they're using love and affection as a as a prize, something that you have to earn or win. When adults who we should trust and who should love us share vulnerable details or secrets about us to others who haven't earned the right to know when they gossip about us, we grow up with trust issues. Why is my mother calling people, telling them there's a very vulnerable thing about me? Why are they talking about me at this family event? Why is this really, we have trust issues. If I can't trust my family, then I can't trust my friends. I can't trust anybody else. I can't tell anybody else anything because they're going to talk about me. When the person who should be a trusted adult makes excuses for their own behavior, their own abusive behavior, and does not seek help, apologize, or change, then we grow up to be children turned into adults again, with trust issues, because there's a lack of accountability there. There's no greater justice than changed behavior. And oftentimes in our families, we don't see changed behaviors. Oftentimes in our families, we see abusers being protected. We see victims being alienated. Also unrelated, but I think it's important if we're talking about the issues of trust, is when the adults that we're supposed to trust and who we believe should love us lie or dishonor their commitments. When adults force a child to participate in activities that are harmful physically or emotionally or be in environments that are harmful physically or emotionally, harmful or abusive, that it just bears repeating when trusted adults do anything that in, within the realm of maintaining relationships with the abuser or prioritizes their own needs before the needs of the child, please get help. Please get help from a trauma informed therapist. Please get a support. Find a 12-step group. Please get help. And if you don't know where to start, you can go to your medical provider. You can speak to, um, you can look on the Clinicians of Color website, Therapy Den, uh, Therapy for Black Girls, Psychology Today. There's so many therapist directory directories. Google is our friend, okay? You can look on Instagram. You can look on Twitter. You can look on Facebook. I find so many professionals <laughs> 
that I want to talk to, that I want to work with, that I need for myself on social media. There's a number of ways to get help, but get help so that you can have healthy relationships, healthy sex, and feel safe in your body. You deserve to feel safe in your body. You deserve to have trusted, healthy relationships. You deserve to belong to yourself. Your body belongs to you. Your sexuality belongs to you. Your voice belongs to you. No one has power and control over you. Take your power back. Acknowledge the truth of your own story. Get support. Seek help. I am here for you. If this podcast episode resonates with you, feel free to reach out to me. If you have questions, feel free to reach out to me. Care about this topic so deeply. (laughs) So much of what I've discussed today, I've also experienced, but I am also, this is for every person that I am in community with and people that I don't even know all across the world. This episode is for you. I love you. You guys have a wonderful rest of your day. Thank you so much for listening to When We Speak. Follow me on Instagram at Tasha Hunter LCSW. If you haven't done so yet, please rate, review, and follow me on iTunes and share it on your social media. If you want a copy of my book, What Children Remember, it is available on Amazon. Until next time.